I'm going to read tonight a very familiar passage. In fact, some of you might turn me off uh, the minute we start reading this because you've probably heard it that much. But one more time, just stay with me and allow me to, to deliver the word of the Lord. In Matthew 9, verse 20 and 21, the scriptures read, And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be made whole. And everybody said, Amen. And you may be seated. I really don't care how good I do tonight. Um, I will stumble over words and do all that good stuff. But you know what? I heard my baby's heartbeat today. So... I'm a, I'm a pretty happy fellow. And I got to see a picture of my baby today. So as Blaze and Bishop are still wondering what in the world is going on, uh, we, we're excited. And, um, I know through that, that even with all that excitement and the busyness of my day, I know without a doubt God has talked to me and directed me to lead somebody into the Word of God tonight. This is um, definitely not a new text. Um, it's been preached, uh, I mean, numerous times. I, you know, in fact, uh, I kind of roll my eyes when I hear a preacher start with the uh, issue of blood scriptures. And it's talked about a few times in the New Testaments. But I, it's been preached a number of times, and when I felt directed this way today, I, I'm not going to lie, I, I really did kind of have a conversation with God and say, God, I don't know that you can preach this uh, in many more, in, in many other ways. I myself have preached from the scripture uh, from many different angles. So I'm not going to pretend that I, I, I don't think that I, I'm... You know, I'm not going to pretend like I can add something magical to this scripture tonight. But um, I, I know tonight I'm following the Holy Ghost. And I believe that the Holy Ghost will bring these verses to life for the one that is needing it. And that's what's amazing about the scriptures is that you can read them a thousand times. But it's amazing how it becomes such food for your soul. When you're in that time of need and you need that direction. Because there are a lot of things about this woman that we do not know, I'm going to take somewhat of a liberty tonight. And I'm just going to try to give you a picture of what it possibly could have been like. We don't know her age um, we don't know much about her, but we do know the age of her disease. We don't know if she was married or if she wasn't married or if she, you know, what her status was. It's assumed that this disease would have probably hindered her from getting married if she wasn't married. But if she was married... 
it would be no surprise to any of us tonight that this disease would have taken its toll on the marriage. If she had children, these children would have had to learn quickly how to do a lot of things for themselves. We don't know how much money she had to begin with, but we do know from other texts in the Bible that she had spent all of her savings going from physician to physician to physician and only growing worse rather than better. You need to understand that the medical industry 2,000 years ago was probably at best a very crude affair. And when the Bible states that she suffered many things at the hands of the physicians, then we need to trust the Scriptures and know without a doubt that this woman truly suffered. She suffered not only from the disease, but she suffered from her disappointment, her discontentment, and her growing disillusionment. This was a woman that now not only was sick in her body and had lost all hope, but now she was broke. It was a woman, the scriptures tell us, that hope deferred maketh the heart sick. And so as we would go from practice, as she would go from practicing physician to the next, she simply lost heart as well as money as well as strength, and as well as blood. And so, this would be a problem, a very serious problem had it lasted only a couple of weeks, or a couple of months, or for that matter, even a couple of years. But this went on for more than a decade, and now have moved into its twelfth long Long, long year. So if you don't mind tonight, and if I'm not crossing the path of some of the, your theology, I would like to endeavor into what I believe this was like. I'm going to suppose tonight that she was married just for the sake of bringing our minds together on a picture of what this kind of dilemma would have really, really entailed. So we find this woman as she awakes early in the morning. She doesn't rest well that night. And her rest brings her no strength. The little rest that she does get. She goes to bed tired. She awakens tired. And she moves slowly through her days and just continues to get more and more tired. It's only a desire that she, that, that's at all she has left really that says, I want to make my husband happy if I can. It's only that desire that gets her out of bed and takes her to the meager cupboards and throws what little bit of food they have together to prepare him some lunch as he's going out for his day of work. And as he goes out to try to make some more money where they can try to get through life and they can get a little bit more money 
together. And maybe, maybe they can make enough money again to see another physician and to give it another try. He kisses her lips and he steps out the door to go to work. She watches his shoulders as they are stooped and are heavy with the burden. And she wishes for the 10,000th time, she wishes so bad that she could have given him a better life. And then the children arise and they begin to make themselves, they begin to make for themselves and to do for themselves and have become adapted to trying to fend for themselves. And they ask their mother, is there anything we can do for you today, mom? Is there anything that we can help you with? And she is once again worried because she knows that these kids are about to have to go to school. And kids, like all kids, if you're hard-pressed financially, not always, are, not always people are understanding Not always are people understanding of the situations you're going through. And children are sometimes cruel. Though I, though they don't really mean to be, they just simply don't fully understand the repercussions of words that are spoken. To most kids, it's just another day, but to the child on the receiving end of the comments, it's a very painful ordeal. And so the children go their way. Now that everyone is off to their day, she turns. And I can just imagine that she barely has enough energy to get from the door to her chair where she sits most of the day. But she finally gets there and she sits down and one more time begins to cry. Wondering Wondering once more if there will ever be any hope for her situation. She's tired in her body. Not only is she physically tired, she's tired of dealing with the tiredness. Has anybody ever been there? Has anybody ever been so tired of your dilemma, so tired, and yet we're in good health Imagine this woman that has an issue of blood. What that was, not many people know, but there there are thoughts out there. But typically, dealing with the issues of blood, it's going to affect your energy levels. And she was exhausted, not only in her body, but in her mind. She was tired. She was hurt. She was confused at why she couldn't be a better mother. Why she couldn't be a better friend. Why she couldn't be a better wife. For this issue of blood had stricken her without her choice, without her opinion. So she sits there in her chair once again, fighting for enough energy to get up and do some things that she knows has to be done. And if, if, if she is like my wife and my mom, There is always a rest and an uneasiness when the housework's not done. And many of you women can say amen because I know what I'm talking about. Many times I will go and try to, if I have time, to get the housework done. And when Cindy comes in the door and she sees a a house 
gleaming and shining and her knight in shining armor standing over there doing the last dish that he had purposely saved so she could see him doing the last dish. And many times she comes in from her long day and she's exhausted and tired. And you can see that easiness that comes over her because the house is clean. The clothes are done. There's dinner cooking on the stove. And so that's where my mind goes when I think about this lady with the issue of blood. How so bad she wanted to do what she knew she she could do in the past but hasn't been able to do for the last 12 years. So as she's sitting there and she's thinking about her day's events, she begins to hear a little stir. A little stir that breaks the silence of the living room or wherever she's sitting. And it's enough of a stir that It catches her attention because she's hearing something that's unusual. There's always a little commotion in the street, but this was different, and it seemed to be gathering momentum. She gets up from the chair, and she slowly, slowly moves to the door, leaning on every piece of furniture that she can as she makes her way to the door. And so she makes her way to the door, and as the crowd moves past her house, she has enough strength to grab a young boy and say, What is this? What's all this commotion? What's going on? The child says, Oh, lady, haven't you heard? That's Jesus in the middle of that crowd. And guess what? He's come to our town today. Well, she's heard of this man, Jesus, because the things that he was doing in her time, he didn't do them in the corner. And he didn't do them in hidden, in hidden places. But the word had been spreading about this man, Jesus. The word had been trickling through the town about this man, this physician. She heard of this new physician in which was really strange because, number one, he didn't charge for his services. And number two, everything he worked on, he fixed. And I believe, personally, it was at that moment, standing in her doorway, That something began deep within her soul. It started moving and it started saying, If I can but touch the hem of his garments, I know that I will be made whole. I don't know where... She got this belief. I've looked. I've asked. I've Googled. I don't know where this thought came from. This doctrine. Whatever you want to call it. It was unprecedented. 
Scripturally, you find nobody before her with this thought in their mind. It never came to surface. And so I see this lady in her weakened state. I see something begin to dwell deep within her that says, I got to touch this guy. I got to get a hold of this man that's called Jesus. See, a lot of us, including myself, can't relate to what was dwelling within her because A lot of us have never been to that position in life to where you had spent your last dime to where you had no energy to where worst of all you had lost all hope but there was something within her something something little and it started steaming in her And she said, I know. I've got to to get a hold of this man. I've got to get a hold of what he has. And I picture her not really worrying about what she's wearing. Not really worrying about what her hair looks like. But I picture her stepping out of that door and saying, excuse me. I've got to get a hold of that man. Something inside me is, is telling me that if I could just but touch the hem of his garment... I'm going to be made whole. And I see this hope begin to rise in her. And I, and I see this every last ounce of strength. And I truly believe within my soul that she was down to the last ounce of strength in her body. And she was going to spend it because she believed within herself that if I can just but touch the hem of his garment. And I bet you, you know, I, I, I imagine the crowd and, and I could see that probably the crowd was lined, the outer skirts of the crowd was lined with the women and the children. And it was probably a little easier to get through them and to stumble through them. But in the inner parts of the crowd, being a town of fishermen, you know these guys were big and they were strong and they were huddled together. Everybody was wanted to talk and touch and see this man, this physician. It's at that point that she comes up against those men. And she says, I I can't do this, but I've got to touch the hem of his garment. And she gets down. And she gets down on her knees. And she begins to crawl. And she begins to to get down in the dirt. And she begins to crawl and just and push aside. And you know she had to have been stepped on. You know 
that she had to have been kicked. But she kept, keeps pressing. Sick in her body. Tormented by life. I believe it was that moment that she pushed in everything she had. And I believe that it wasn't just moving through the crowd, but it it was being right there. It was being right there at the at, at I see him, I see his garment, and reaching out, and he takes a few more steps. And once again, she starts the process over. I wish I could tell you that every time I've needed something from God, I got it on my first reach. But typically, it doesn't happen like that. You got to keep pressing. And then all of a sudden... All of a sudden, she touches the hem of his garment, and he stops. And he said, someone's touched me. And Simon Peter, having a great grasp on reality, says, well, Jesus, a lot of people are touching you right now. He said, no. I felt virtue flow from me. You know what that tells me, Sister Charlene? You know what that tells me? That tells me our idea of touching Jesus is not the same as his idea of us touching him. Many people were touching him that day. But somebody, somebody that was sick and tired, somebody that was down to their last hope, somebody that truly believed on this man, touched the hem of his garment. It's at this time that she was healed. You know, I've thought about this scripture a lot. And when I get to heaven, this is a lady I want to talk to. I want to know, what did did it feel like? What, what, What happened after that? You know what I envision? I envision... Later that evening, after everything had settled down, I envisioned a husband coming home, tired after a long day. Many, many thoughts on his mind. Okay, well, if 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 I if I work this the weekend, I, I can make a little more money. Then we can pay that bill, and then maybe what we can do is, 
you know, um, maybe we can save a little money there because I, I know the market, the market's going to be open this week. So we have to be, we have to have food. And, and I can see this man who's tired and still thinking, walk up to his house and it's kind of strange. The, the porch is swept. What? <laughs> well, I guess, I guess some of the neighbors must have come over and helped us. And I can see this man walking into his house and and seeing the candles lit and the and everything's dusted and everything's clean and then all of a sudden is that my imagination or is is that one of my favorite dishes being cooked? Is that what I smell? What what is going on here? What is happening here? And I can see her coming around the corner. Gleaming, saying, baby, I've I've missed you. And I can see her wrapping her arms around him and saying, oh, baby, I love you. I can see this woman restored simply because she said within herself, if I may but touch the hem of his garment. Was that how it happened? I don't know. But you know what? I like to believe it. What we do know is that it happened. As I come to a close... You know, the cool thing about good news is that it does spread. Now, a lie will go around twice while the truth is still getting its boots on. But you know what? Good news still spreads. You may show you why I know that. Five chapters later. Chapter 14 of Matthew, verse 34. And when they were gone over, they came into the land of Genesaret. When the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased. And besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched were made perfectly whole. One woman said within herself, But if only I can touch the hem of his garment. One woman who had no energy decided that she was not going to be rejected. And she pressed her way through the muck and the mud and the dirt and the crowd. And she touched the hem of his garment. You see, that miracle wasn't just for her. 
That miracle was for her family. That miracle was for her town. And according to chapter 14 of Matthew, that miracle was for her country. Her desire to press through not only touched her and made her whole, but it became it became a place, it became something more. It became a blessing for those that she didn't even know. In World War II, on Omaha Beach, was probably one of the worst events of American history. Cindy and I have a good friend. His name is Charlie. Charlie was on Omaha Beach and received the Purple Heart. He, he received a lot of honors and medals. He's been a good friend of Cindy's family for a long time, and I was privileged to sit down and talk with him and to hear the stories that were still very, very vivid in this elderly man's brain and his mind were just, just amazing. But on Omaha Beach, the boats pulled up. Many let their doors down and these soldiers rushed out as the bullets just pegged the tanks and the boats that they were in. And many of the boats hadn't even really reached land and these soldiers jumped out and fell straight to the bottom because their sacks were too heavy and there was nothing and they drowned. Other boats came out and the soldiers, even before they could get one step off of the boat, were just mowed down with machine gun fire. The Germans had nested upon the ridge and were just spraying anybody and anything that moved. They didn't stand a chance. And there was a major colonel by the name of George Taylor that was on one of the boats, and his orders were to drop the men and come back. As his dropped the men and his boat turned and it was headed back to the main ship, he, he turned to the captain of that little ship and he said, Nah. He said, Turn this boat around. And the captain said, I, Colonel, I can't. He said, That is an order. Turn this boat around. And he turned the boat around and Colonel, Major Colonel George Taylor, stepped off of the boat and begin to run up and down that Omaha beach. And he was kicking his soldiers, and he was throwing his soldiers. And he was saying, you can lay here and die like dogs, or you can get up and you can make a run for it. And he began to run up and down the beach. And there's document, documented stories of where the machine guns were aimed on him, but they couldn't touch him. And he was running up and down the beach, grabbing these guys and saying, Come on! Come on! you got to get up to the bottom of the ridge. And as these guys begin to run, the, the other guys saw, and all of a sudden, the whole crew started moving. And moving. 
And that night, the Americans took over Omaha Beach in one night. This, this colonel was made a general for his act of heroism. He went out and he got his men. He determined within himself, I'm not going to let my boys die. I'm not going to sit back here in this boat. My boys are freezing. Come on. And he set a standard and he started kicking them and he started saying, come on, believe. Come on, get up. Roger Bannister, I know pastor has used this name before, broke the first person to break the four-minute mile in 1954. He was the first person in history to run the mile in under four minutes. He ran it in three minutes, 59.4 seconds. But isn't it amazing? That record was broken 26 times by 1957. The Berlin Wall, many people never thought they would see it come down. I can remember a lot of it. I was young, but I do remember it. I remember Reagan and I think it was Gorbachev, I don't know, that had a lot to do with it. But there was one man, after it was looked into and studied, I don't know how to say his name, Lequinzian. He was a dock worker, a Dutch dock worker. He stood up with his union and said, we're not going to take this anymore. It was proven that he was one of the silent reasons that the Berlin Wall came down. He was put in prison. He suffered greatly for his actions. Before he died, he was interviewed. He said, sir, what, what has inspired you to do what you did? If you would stand with me right now. He said, what inspired you to do what you did? He says, you know, it's funny that you have asked that. He said, American, an American by the name of Martin Luther King has been one of the greatest inspirations in my life. And I believe that if that man could do what he did, There's no reason I couldn't do this. And in an interview with Martin Luther King before this, in an interview with Martin Luther King before he died, he was asked the same question by a different reporter. He said, what has inspired you to stand the way you have? He says, well, that's easy. He said, there's a little lady... Her name was Rosa Parks, down in Montgomery, Alabama. And that lady has inspired me that I can do this. What if, what if Rosa Parks would have decided to walk that day? Because she just didn't feel like dealing 
with all the hateful comments. What if Anne Frank really didn't feel like writing anything because of all the hardship she was dealing with? What if Helen Keller would have given in to her feeling sorry for herself? What if Susan B. Anthony would have accepted the common belief of the early 1800s that a woman's place should be in the man's shadow? What if Christopher Columbus would have settled for being a wool weaver just like his father? What if Joan of Arc would have believed her surroundings that showed her to be a peasant girl? And never prayed for God's guidance. Just what if? What if Florence Nightingale would have accepted that nursing was too hard and anyway she was squeamish at the sight of blood? What if Orville and Wilbur Wright would have given in to their fear of heights? What if Samuel Morris would have been annoyed by his sister tapping on the table all the time? (laughs) What if Alexander Graham Bell would have shut himself off from the world when his two brothers that he loved died from tuberculosis? What if he would have shut himself off and didn't really want to talk to anybody? What if B.B. King was happy all the time and never got the blues? What if Albert Einstein would have focused more on the three subjects he failed rather than the two subjects, physics and mathematics, that he passed? What if? What are you waiting on tonight? You waiting you waiting on somebody to set a standard that you can follow? I'm just asking a question. Trust me. I've asked myself this question all week. What are you going to say within yourself? When are you going to get tired of your position and say, devil, you can't have my family. Devil, my past says a lot of bad things about me, but you know what? It's my past. Yeah, but, but Jay, you don't understand. My past has just restricted me. I mean, nobody wants to. Do, I, you want somebody to feel sorry for you? I will. What I'm saying is what are we going to say within ourselves that I'm tired of coming to church and seeing the same people in the same altar getting the same blessings.
And why are we here? Why do we do what we do? Is it just for ourselves? Well, I've got to be careful asking some of these questions because I know the answer to mine. If you don't mind, would you join me at the front? I'm done here. I didn't expect jumping, shouting, crying, snotting, snorting, all that good stuff. But I do know that I've challenged somebody tonight. And I know that because God has challenged me with this. And you know what? It's easy to come up here and speak and say some things. I mean, it's the Bible. How can you go wrong? (laughs) But you know, I want to say within myself, I'm tired, tired of accepting everything life hands me as the final word. I'm I'm tired. I'm tired of saying that, oh, you know, why why are you trying to touch the hem of his garment? It's just a, it's just a piece of clothing. I, I don't, I don't understand, Jay. Why would you want to do that? Well, I don't know. I don't know, but I know within myself that I've got to do something. I pray that you would take this word and understand that life's not easy. We all know that. We have a family here to lean on. Don't be scared. Don't cower down to your problem. Don't cower down to your past. I truly believe that sometimes the only way people overcome stuff in their life is when they finally get sick and tired of it. Because I know me, I... You know what? It's funny. I dealt with this ingrown toenail for weeks, months. I stubbed it a couple of times. I mean, brought tears to my eyes. But I kept dealing with it. Well, I stubbed it last week. It took me to my knees, and I said, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I'm going to the doctor. And he, he cut it out. But you know what? I'm already feeling better. <laughs> 